Welcome to another edition of Contractors Corner, a Solar Power World podcast series in which our editors talk with solar contractors and installers. This podcast series is a companion to the Contractors Corner column in our print magazine and on our website, so make sure you look for our featured solar contractors each month. In this episode, we are speaking with George Hirschman, Senior Vice President and General Manager at Swinnerton Renewable Energy in San Diego, California. So thank you, George, for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. This is, this is great. All right. I thought maybe we could start off learning a little bit about your company. What's Swinnerton's background, and, and when did you guys get involved with solar? Sure. Um, well, Swinnerton is a 128-year-old general contractor in California, uh, probably the oldest active contractor uh, in the state. We traditionally do vertical construction, so in markets like hospitality, office, higher education work, um, and really got into renewables back in 2008 for a couple of reasons. The California Solar Initiative was strong. We saw opportunities to work with our client base, such as community colleges and universities, and then hospitals to deploy solar installations, as well as we saw a significant downturn in a lot of our markets due to the financial crisis and saw solar as an opportunity to redeploy some of our internal resources and employees into areas that had growth opportunity when we saw a lot of those more traditional markets for us contract. So those two factors really led to the growth of our renewable energy group. Okay. What is your service area? Where are you installing solar projects? So right now we're installing projects in most of the western states, the kind of traditional hotbeds of solar, California, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, now into Oregon and doing work in the southeast, Georgia, North Carolina, Florida, um, as we see, you know, th- those markets grow. Uh, most of our work is in the utility sector, so uh, we are really focused on uh, those states that are, you know, embracing large-scale utility projects more than uh, commercial operations and CI work, C&I work that's happening in a lot of the the kind of northeast and uh, the and those regions. So. It, the the geographic reach is really throughout North America. We have deployed about 50 megawatts in Ontario, Canada, as part of the feed-in tariff program. But the majority of the work is in um, the U.S., and obviously we are looking at opportunities in Mexico as those opportunities become more clear with the the government um, RFO process being being announced. Okay. Kind of leads to my next question. You said that you do a lot of utility-scale work. Is that really what you guys are focusing on? Do you have any smaller projects? We do probably 95% of our work is in the utility sector. Um, we still do a number of distributed generation or C&I projects a year. Usually those are strategic partners, uh, probably not one-off type of distributed generation projects. We did start in the di- distributed generation space, 
So we have a couple hundred megawatts of hospital work community college work that we've done in our in our past, uh, some airports, uh, but we are finding that the utility space really fits better for our business model. So we're not completely out of it, and, and every year or so, and with the extension of the ITC, we're looking at do we start to develop a distributed generation business as well to support our client base, our construction client base. Uh, that are building projects and are uh, adopting a, a much more renewable portfolio within the, their vertical construction projects. So we may see our our DG group start to grow internally, uh, but for the immediate future, the majority is large-scale utility. There was some news recently that uh, Swinerton hit one gigawatt of installations, and that's probably because you've been working at so many large-scale projects. So what does that milestone kind of mean to the company? Well, I mean, it's, I think it's a very significant milestone for um, for a group that has really within a within a, a larger company, but is is really a, a startup that built out of internal resources and built up to 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 hit the gigawatt mark this year. I think the interesting part of that that uh, press release, I think, was not the one gigawatt that we've built in the last eight years. It's the one gigawatt that we will build this year. So, you know, it, it is a, an, a significant ramp up from years past. A lot had to do with the, the ITC ex- expiration and the concerns around that. And so we, we signed a lot of projects in the latter half of last year that had completion dates within 16 to beat that expiration of the ITC. You know, a lot of our projects were too far along to to push back once the once the extension came. We are seeing a significant uh, amount of volume go in place this year. So it's neat to have said we hit one gigawatt. It's also uh, great to say we will hit our second gigawatt in the same 12 months. Yeah. How has your company evolved over the last few years? Clearly, I mean, you're doing a lot more projects, but have you branched into other new areas of service, maybe O&M, like things like that? Yeah, I think um, there's significant changes in the, in the company. Um, obviously, uh, the overall growth of the company is significant in the amount of capacity that we have to, uh, to put projects in place. Uh, a lot of inva- advancements in the efficiencies of the way that we do business um, that allows us to put this type of volume in place in a year, um, but also kind of the service offering involvement. Um, in 2012, we started a operations and maintenance division that um, that we call Solve. Solve is a wholly owned subsidiary of Swinerton Incorporated. So it's a, um, it's a company internal to the Swinerton family that handles all operations and maintenance and monitoring of plants. So we've built significant resources on that side. Um, we currently have 1.5 gigawatts of O&M under management with a, another 800 megawatts under contract that will come online this year. We will exceed the 2 gigawatt mark by year end of projects under management. So we're doing, obviously, the 
projects, the majority of the projects we build, but we are also offering Solve as a third-party uh, O&M offering. So it's a, it's a significant growth opportunity within our business and somewhere we see that we can really leverage our plant construction expertise and you know, kind of long-term operations experience together and really deliver for our clients a full turnkey operation. We can support development opportunities very early for our clients with, with early engineering and plant siting services all the way through what we hope to be um, 20 or 30 year decommissioning opportunities at the, at the end of life for these projects. I mean, that's really what our overall plan is for the organization. And, and sitting within a company that's been in business for, you know, 128 years, uh, make that value proposition uh, very real for our clients because there's a, there's a real belief that we will be here at, at end of life. Uh, for these projects, and so we're a we're a safe bet in that in that regard. <laughs> right. So, what are some of your struggles with the current solar market? Um, I talk with a lot of smaller contractors, and they often talk about permitting and and things like that. Do you have some of the same struggles on the larger scale? We do. Um, you know, we are uh, branching into areas, regions that are not have not been exposed to mm-hmm. large scale solar projects. So oftentimes the AHJs or, or the licensing, the contractors licensing and the divisions of work and those things have not really caught up with this scale of project where licensing rules and labor regulations around small scale solar deployment, oftentimes residential deployment, and now trying to translate that into, because PV falls into the to the labor codes in different states, PV is all looked at in one big basket. And there's, there's a lot of differences between a residential installation and the labor required to do that versus the labor required to do a, a large-scale solar deployment where you're installing 14,000 modules a day. So we are finding that those struggles are out there and it's really a state-by-state issue that we're working through because applying those same type of labor requirements and permitting requirements just drive up the overall cost of solar and, and also often cut out the local labor force that we want to hire. Um, we have a track record of local hire. We try to set a bar of 80% local hire. So if we go into a region and maybe that's Georgia or it's Eastern Oregon or it's Minnesota, we want to send our core group of, of management professionals that were within our organization that travel for us and then hire locally and train locally and make these local projects that where there is accountability, there's passion for the project, there's great business opportunity, and in some cases, in most cases, Utah is a great example. We went to Utah, we pledged to to Iron County, Utah, that we would hire 80% local hire. That project had 93% local hire, (laughs) and we now have O&M on those projects long-term, 
and a hundred percent of those of those O and M folks worked on that project and live in that county. So while it's not hundreds of, of long term jobs, it's hundreds, if not thousands, of short term jobs and dozens of of long term jobs. And so where we find that areas are more restrictive around labor requirements, we're actually required to bring in labor from other adjoining states to meet the requirement because of labor laws and permitting requirements and licensing requirements that we just don't have a licensed workforce in a lot of these rural areas to support the amount of ratios for licensing that's required in some of these states. So we're seeing that as a, as it's a cost issue and it's a local job issue, which is for us really the biggest issue. We, we will deal with the cost issues and it's unfortunate it will drive up the cost of solar unnecessarily, but the reality is we are, we are cutting off access to local workforces and, and that to me is, is the biggest shame of it all. And I think is why that we are working very hard to educate these states that are really new to solar at this scale of what the kind of unintended consequences are of some of these older laws that were put into place to do what they thought it was going to do, which was protect local jobs and secure quality and all those things that we can appreciate. But what it really did was cut off local jobs. And so... Um, I think those are the things that we see outside of what is the items that the industry as a whole is focusing on, which is the the land, the siting issues on government land and the, the avian issues and, and a lot of the issues that the whole industry is kind of focused on. I think when it gets down to some of the, the, the more kind of grassroots issues that are happening on a county-by-county county basis, I think are having impacts as well. And so... We're trying to focus our, a lot of our efforts on those because we feel like they're getting less attention than some of the bigger issues that are out there or some of the perceived bigger issues that are out there. Yeah. No, I, you sound, you're very passionate about labor and education and, and having a good workforce and things like that. So along those same lines, like, what do you enjoy the most about the solar industry? Is it working with people and, and getting them educated and just spreading the word about solar? One of the... the things I didn't mention earlier is Swinerton is a 100% employee-owned company. The benefits that it's brought to to those employee owners, growing a new industry, growing a, a creative workforce uh, within a, a more traditional construction company, this, this group has um, relies a lot on uh, technology advancement through our enhanced analysis uh, of our O&M business. We have a programming teams. We have a lot of exposure within different facets of a construction company. And so uh, those are things that, you know, we get really excited about. And how do we bring opportunity to these new markets and, you know, employ thousands of people that are touching what is a new economy for, for a lot of them. And it has become a really a, a passion of mine and I, I believe one of the differentiators of us as, uh, as a company, as Swinerton's role in this industry, is, is to really bring that kind of 
approach of how do you really turn a, a large, old construction company that has great foundation and great roots in, in building many U.S. economies over, over its history and building what is, to us, a new economy. And so that, that is something that we're very excited about, and I enjoy. I mean, I've, I personally, it, it's been a, a very rewarding for me to see the growth. You you mentioned earlier about how you have about you're going to do a lot of work this year, get another gigawatt of installation. So, how do you see the future past this year? What, what do you see the solar industry doing in the next five years or so? Well, the good news is, um, in December, uh, I tore up my old business plan <laughs> and uh, started writing a new business plan. Um, after we we fought very hard in spent a lot of time in Washington um, trying to work on uh, with our participation in, with, in SIA to, to see an extension. And now it's given us a, a, really a whole new look into what the solar industry is going to be and what this company is going to be in the future. Um, we are making significant investments in, uh, in equipment, in new processes, and upgraded software facilities, all to build and support a a economy that we see that will at similar paces to what we're seeing in 16. While we recognize that 2016 will be a a spike in the business for us, um, and that 17 will likely be slightly smaller, although every day our surprise is that more projects fill in for 17. So 17 looks to be very good with a, a continued growth through mid-20s um, as we start to see really a long-term path forward and seeing that, you know, with potentially with the adoption of the Clean Power Plan, depending on how uh, that ultimately turns out, we will see that every state will have some RPS requirement of solar, we will see that uh, continue adoption in many states. We're seeing, you know, Oregon move to a 50% RPS. We're seeing uh, lots of those things starting to happen. I live in San Diego that made a public announcement they wanted to be a you know, 100% renewable. So we're seeing those things happen all over. So so I think the trajectory, well, well, we might take a, a little bit of a breath in 17. Um, just because we push so much volume through in 16, I think it will be a it will be a very short rest period um, <laughs> as we start to to grow again in in 18 and and beyond. So we're very bullish on the market. We think that there's great opportunity all over, and are making investments in in things and spending money on on equipment that we would not have been buying. Um, had it had it been different, so we're very very excited about the the growth and opportunity. Hmm. Okay, we'll we'll wrap up today with this last question. What do you think has enabled Swinnerton to be successful over these last years? I think that uh, a lot of it stems from the roots of the organization. The organization has always been led with integrity and has always done what it said it would do. So in this industry where there's a, a lot of groups that come and go and, and make big promises, I think we were slow and steady. 
and we've kept our eye on what our really core mission is, which is to construct and manage and provide services to our client versus trying to be everything to everybody. We saw a lot of movement of you know this vertical integration. Everybody wanted to be manufacturers and developers and builders and owner-operators, and we really stuck to our core principles. And we're not a developer of assets. We're not a holder of, of solar projects. You know, we don't manufacture. We can stay technology agnostic and move in the industry as the industry changes and as technology switch and some become, you know, efficiencies grow between manufacturing companies. You know, and, and we were, have been able to really work through that process and continue to deliver quality service to our client. When you know others have promised things, we have continued to deliver. I believe that our clients would attest to the fact that if if Swinnerton says that they will do something, they will do it, and if you are looking for schedule cer- certainty and cost certainty. And delivery is your one of your key drivers. Swinerton is your best partner, and so I think our our group as a whole believes that um, they're empowered to do whatever it takes to meet those missions. And I think that being employee owners, so everybody feels accountable and empowered within the company to do those um, out down to our you know our. our project teams that are out in the field dealing with issues every day are empowered as as business owners to make the right decisions. So that is the is the core of what makes Swinerton successful. It is definitely the people. All right, perfect. Well, thank you, George, for talking with us today. Absolutely. This has been another edition of Contractors Corner, a Solar Power World podcast series in which our editors talk with solar contractors and installers. I'm Kelly Pickerel, Associate Editor of Solar Power World. Thanks for listening, and please tune in next time.